0: It's episode 591 of the Locked On Texas Rangers podcast. On today's show, I'm going to tell you why the Rangers finally, actually, aren't a bad team anymore, and I've got proof to show it. All that and more on this episode of Locked On Rangers. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Rangers, your daily Texas Rangers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are locked on the Texas Rangers. I'm your host, Bryce Patrick, host of the Locked On Texas Rangers podcast, a crippling, crippling Texas Rangers baseball addict since 2010, here to bring you this show Thank you all so much for making Locked on Raiders your first listen every single day. If you're not already, go ahead and follow me on Twitter at Bryce Follow the show at Locked on Raiders and subscribe on YouTube, where thanks to Zach, uh, my top favorite person of the day who pushed us over the top to become our 800th subscriber on YouTube. Thanks, Zach, and all 799 of you out there who have subscribed on YouTube and to the thousands more who eventually, along the way, will come to subscribe to this show one way or another, whether they like it or not. But you know what I do like? I do like what the Rangers did last night to the Kansas City Royals. The Rangers beat down the Royals. It, it was much closer than it looked. It, it, it looked much closer than it was. The Rangers dropped a three-spot on the Royals in the bottom of the first inning, and it didn't feel like the Royals could do much since then. Their offense has been lifeless, listless, terrible. I just talked with Ryland Stiles, host of the Locked on Royals podcast, on Tuesday's show about how bad the Royals offense has been to start the season, and one of the upsides he talked about was how good their two starting pitchers have been in old Zach Greinke and one Brad Keller, who the Rangers were able to get to in a pretty bad way in Tuesday night's game. It was a multi-home run game for Corey Seager, who... You know, I haven't been super duper happy with what he's done so far. He's been good. He's been good. But I think part of that is because I I keep not putting in context of how bad offense has been in baseball so far. Right now he's got a 726 OPS, which is an OPS plus of 116. So he's been about what I expected, about what I wanted, about 15 to 16% better than the average player at his position. He's got six home runs now on the season to lead the Rangers' next closest is Adoles Garcia, who is sitting there, at four, and then a several way tie for third place with three in Mitch Garver, Brad Miller, and Jonah Heim. Speaking of Mitch Garver, I talked a little bit about it just very briefly on yesterday's show, but the Rangers have some roster moves that have happened. Not all of them have been super great. It happened on Tuesday. Mitch Garver's placed on the 10 day injured list, retroactive to Monday, with a right forearm flexor muscle strain. That's a little concerning. It'd be a little more concerning if he was a pitcher. It's in his right arm, so it's in his throwing arm. So maybe he might not be catching as much this season. Maybe they might lean a little bit more towards Jonah Heim, who has been fantastic. And I'm probably going to get into him a little bit more in a minute when I, when I talk about how great Jonah Heim is and how bad offense has been. But that's a little bit concerning. They called up Sam Huff. He is going to start tonight's game literally like an hour or two after I release this episode. Spencer Patton was sent to... A Round Rock on injury rehabilitation assignment, so that is great. And then as of today, Matt Bush is the scheduled starter. I'm assuming he's going to be an opener for Kobe Allard, who was brought up, um, recalled, from Round Rock because they optioned him a little bit early before they closed those uh, the window for getting, you know, your your players down to the whatever, the 26-man roster as opposed to the 28-man roster is what I'm looking for. They optioned Zach Rex, which is kind of a shame because I didn't expect him to be called up, but Rex has done pretty well in his time here so far. Like, you know, fine enough for about what we expected him to do. Still, I don't think he's had his first Major League home run at this point, but at a 643 OPS, looked fine. He was fine. And that was about what the Rangers needed him to be, was just fine. It was just a little bit frustrating when he came up and Willie Calhoun was optioned because Rex wasn't doing anything absolutely out of this world. But I don't know if Kobe is going to stay on this roster after this. I don't know if there's like a spot start thing or if this is just this is where he's going to be. Because when it comes to Rangers Rangers longmen, the only long men that the Rangers really need, the only one that they're actually using to be a longman, not the guy who they signed in you know Garrett Richards to be the quote-unquote longman, has not gotten more than two innings and has been aggressively just fine. Uh, but Brock Burke, who has been incredible, I didn't talk too much about what he did against the Yankees yet, but that outing on Monday was absolutely incredible. Like, absolutely incredible, the spot he came in. His final line for that game, it, it's not nearly as impressive as it was. The context in which he came in, two and two-thirds innings, one hit, one walk, and five strikeouts. Some of his, like, his external numbers, like I know it's it's small sample size and everything, but it's kind of insane. In terms of strikeout rate, he's in the top 3% of baseball. But in terms of swing and miss, he's in the bottom 17%. So he's not getting that many swings and misses. But every time he is, it's a strikeout. It's absolutely incredible. His chase rate, no one's chasing him. They're not barreling him. They're not hitting the ball hard against him. Expected ERA, average exit velocity, expected VOVA, walk percentage, fastball. Like, it's all really, really stinking good. This guy has been a revelation for the Rangers. He's only 25 years old. You know, I, I had some thoughts about maybe you want to try him as a starter, but like if it's working now, let the sleeping dog lie. Let him be absolutely amazing in this role because he is amazing in this role. And, you know, I'd, I'd rather have him go for longer relief outings than Colby Allard. But if they want to just go throw Allard out there against an offense that's been this horrible, I don't think it's that much of a risk. I mean, obviously, I don't love that much of what I've seen from Allard this season and the past, you know, three, four seasons that he's been with the Rangers. But, you know, he should be fine. He's fine. It's a spot start. It's a weird week where the Rangers have eight games this week after having, what, I believe, four last week because of all those rainouts and the doubleheader. It puts the starters in a weird position. You're going to have to have at least one of the games like this. You might as well do it in the middle of the week against a lineup as weak as this Royals lineup as opposed to waiting for the weekend to do against Boston. Actually, I literally don't think you have a choice. You kind of have to do it right now because it's about when you're circling through that rotation. So we'll see how it works out tonight. Um, I'll talk a little bit more about that on tomorrow's podcast. Hopefully it will be another great game, another fun thing to talk about. And then on Friday's show, I have already recorded with Locked On Red Sox host Lauren, and it was a great episode, so that'll be out for you in your feeds on Friday morning, bright and early. also talk a little bit more about the prospects that are coming up, including Sam Up, who is going to be playing in this game and what he's done in the minor league so far this season. But I'm going to talk a little bit more about this game that happened on Tuesday Yes, Tuesday night, and a little bit more about some Rangers Hall of Famers. They announced their two Hall of Fame inductees for this 2022 class. I'm going to get into all that and more. But first, this episode is brought to you by, of course, LinkedIn. The spring in the air, it's time for renewal and growth, personally and professionally. As your small business grows, LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people that you want to talk to faster and for free. Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond the world's largest professional network of eight, over 810 million people. Then add your job and the purpose in the, the purple hiring frame of your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring to the network. It can help find you the right people in no time. We've got simple tools like screening questions that make it easier to focus on the right candidates with the right skills and experience. You can pr- quickly prioritize prioritize who you would like to interview and hire it's why small businesses rate linkedin jobs number one delivering quality hires versus leading competitors linkedin jobs hiring uh, helps you hire the candidates you want to talk to faster did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit linkedin post your job for free at linkedin.com slash mlb that's linkedin.com slash on mlb to post your job for free terms and conditions apply Thank y'all so much for making Locked On Rangers your first listen every single day. Now, if you want to make your second listen, the Locked On Now podcast, go check it out. It's got recaps of NBA games with analysis from local experts. Taking fans through the season like no other network, it's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Now, let's look a little bit more into this Tuesday night game against the Royals. And it was another fantastic game by Martin Perez. Absolutely fantastic. Six in the third innings, five hits, four runs allowed. Only one of those was earned. Only one of them. Because there are a couple of, of pretty not great errors by Culberson, a throwing error and a fielding error. Uh, just not a super great day for him defensively at third base. But he struck out six. Strikeout stuff was really working for him in this one. Not something that he's done a whole lot. He has been fantastic at knowing himself. This is like, you know, this is what you imagine. This is like the best case scenario that you imagine for Martin Perez when he came back is becoming that crafty lefty, that guy who knows who he is, knows how to get batters out, doesn't have the nastiest stuff, though he did break out in 95 late in the game and a four-seamer, which, by the way, he's throwing his four-seamer even less than he ever has in his career, and I think that's part of why he's being able to be so successful, is that he was relying on it too much, and it wasn't that great a pitch, but when he busted out in 95 way late in the game, you're like, huh? This guy who's been sitting 90 to 93 just cranks back and throws 95 in the seventh inning. Yeah, that'll be tend to be pretty effective. But it was a nice game from him. A multi-home run game by Corey Seager goes Apo Taco in that first inning. The Rangers, you know, take advantage of uh of some timely hitting by, of course, none other than Cole Calhoun, who slaps a little single into uh, i believe right field and and scores a pair gets the rangers three on the board and you know when the rangers are scoring early that is when they're doing their best work they are incredibly effective when they are scoring early and often and that has been you know one of the bugaboos for when their offense is not going is they don't get going early and so they don't get going middle they don't get going late like it's if 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 things don't get started early then this offense tends to sputter out a little bit quicker than it would in other times but a multi-hit game from brad miller much needed from him Nick Solak had a double his is actually his first of the season and again home runs number 5 and 6 from Corey Seager which this guy absolutely loves hitting globe life field he absolutely loves it and so hopefully that will pay off and the rangers can actually start winning at globe life field because if Corey Seager is his Corey Seager-ness at home then maybe the rangers will start winning some more baseball games but another great thing from Nick Solak was a couple of stolen bases from him. He's been pretty aggressive on the base pass, as is Eli White had his fourth stolen base of the season. By the way, Eli White, i got to give him some credit. I have not given him very much credit at all this season or really that much in his career, but at this point, he is the number five baseball reference war leader for the Texas Rangers, right behind. Yeah, here, here's the top three. It goes Jonah Heim, of course, at 1.1, Corey Seager at 1.0, Martín Perez at, what, 0. 0.7, Matt Moore... Yeah, at 0.6. And then Eli White also tied at 0.6, sitting there in fifth, right ahead of Dane Dunning. He has been really good this season. Defensively, we always knew that he was fast. He had a pretty decent glove and pretty much every single part of the outfield. But the, glo- the, the bat has been, you know, good. It's been good. He hasn't hit for a whole lot of power. He only has one home run, which was the actual cheapie that that Woody joked about. Uh, that, not the Not the not walk-off home run by uh, Glaber Torres, but the one hit by Eli White, Apotaco, to that short-short right field in Yankee Stadium. That one felt like a little bit of a cheapie, but he's got an 849 OPS. He's got five walks and nine strikeouts and on base of 387. That'll freaking play while being one of the fastest players in the league. I have been very quick to discredit him because the Rangers kept seeing this and that and, all oh, you know, the bat's there. There's something in there in the bat. And, you know, his his start of his major league career was not great. A lot of like really really bad luck hitting the baseball hard. Just a lot of expected batting average expected numbers that like this should he should be hitting. He should have a lot more hits because he's hitting the ball really hard. He's just finding gloves. This year he is getting some better luck with that. He has gotten on base significantly better. And you know the other stuff the intangibles of being pretty fast and being a pretty decent glove in all three outfield positions has paid off. And I like seeing him out there a little bit more. Then I like seeing Cole Calhoun, who did have some lovely defense. I gotta give him some credit. He's had some pretty good defensive plays. The bat's still not great. The OPS is still below 430. I don't love that. I really don't love that from a guy who's gotta be hit first. But, you know, if we start seeing a lot more Eli White in right field, or a lot more Eli White in center field, and then moving it to right field, I think that's a winning formula for the Texas Rangers, and I gotta give some love to Eli White, but I did mention that I was going to talk about the 2022 two inductees to the Texas Rangers Baseball Hall of Fame, that's right, it's Ian Kinsler and John Blake, you all know who Ian Kinsler is, if you don't, literally go use Google, you five-year-old, like, seriously even if you're five you have still seen ian kinsler play major league baseball in your lifetime but john blake is the guy who is the head of rangers pr he has been fantastic at it. he's been with the rangers for i don't know 30 years it's been forever and he is a stalwart of the organization help keep those pesty pesty pesky good lord beat writers in line and media people in line he is a huge pillar of this organization. Great guy. Beloved throughout the franchise for many, many years. Um, taking a less everyday hands on role, now more administrative, um, but still a huge, huge part of this Texas Rangers organization. Congratulations to both of them. Extremely well deserved. Ian Kinsler, extremely well deserved. Probably should have happened a little while ago. I think his comments about wishing the Rangers could, went. 0 and 82 after they traded him while understandable at the time might have pushed that back a little bit until people kind of forgot about it he was traded in 2013 and it was an all-star and literally his very next season in Detroit actually his last all-star season um as a 32 year old but huge integral part of the Texas Rangers best teams in franchise history Extremely fun baseball player, extremely underrated baseball player. I don't give a crap about the pop-up crap. He, he's a dang good baseball player and needs to be appreciated as such and deserves to be a Texas Rangers Hall of Famer. Now, I'm going to get into a little bit of that defense that was a little sketchy at third base, some issues I had, and I would like to see a little bit more of who playing third base and um, a little bit more about why the Rangers are not a bad team. Not a bad team. We're going to get into that in more. The first episode is brought to you by Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar out there on the market. I just got myself a shipment this week of some peanut butter brownie, which I had not had before, and some uh, mint brownie chocolate, which is just absolutely delicious. I've had those before. They're great. The uh, peanut butter brownie is absolutely delicious. They are the best tasting protein bar that is out there. They are also super duper healthy for you. It doesn't even make sense how healthy they are for you when you taste them. Like This, this can't be this healthy. It, it just can't. But they can, and they are. Most built bars contain 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four net carbs, and seventeen grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, you know, you can just throw out the candy bar, just get yourself some built bars there. Must much, much better for you. And you know, a lot of them will taste better. You can go to built.com, use promo code lock fifteen to get fifteen percent off your order. Use promo code lock fifteen for fifteen percent off at built.com. Now, let's look a little bit at this Rangers third base defense. I feel like it might just be my eye. I thought it was, so I went and looked into the numbers, because it felt like every time I was looking up, and Chris Woodward was saying at the beginning of the year, Andy Ibanez is going to be our third baseman. That's what he's going to be. We're going to give him a fair shot. We're going to see how he does. And the defense so far has been sparkling. It has been fantastic. I don't know how much of that is Adrian Beltre magic just rubbing off for one weekend. And I know a lot of it is also Andy Ibanez working his freaking tail off to become a very good defensive third baseman. But defensive war, he's gone down a little bit. But at one point, I believe he's on in the top ten of defensive war in all of, American, all of the American League. Defenders, so yeah, he is—he has been good. He's been really good. He's playing a lot more first base than I would like him to. If they've got the option, there's too many times where I've seen Brad Miller be playing third base and Andy Abanez playing first base. I get wanting to give him some like days off his feet, but with the amount of times that they're pinch hitting these guys, like it's it's not it's not a smart move. He's just clearly a better defender. Andy Abanez is than Brad Miller at I would honestly say every position. Maybe first base because Brad Miller has a little more practice there. That's the only place where I'd say Brad Miller is like at least average, maybe above average. I wouldn't quite go there, but he's about average. He's not a, he's not there for his defense. He's there for his for his bat, which, you know, like everybody in Major League Baseball has been pretty much subpar to start. But let's look at the actual numbers. See if my eyes and my my bias are actually standing out when it comes to games at third base. We have Andy banez who's got. He's played 15 games at third base. He has started 13 of those, and he has 118 innings and an average defensive run saved of five. I guess we're just calling it regular DRS, not average DRS. Then we look at the next most, uh, let's see. Yeah, the next most games, we have Brad Miller, who's played 12 as opposed to Ubanez's 15. That's like, all right, that sounds a little close. He's only started six of those games, though. And he's only played in 63 innings versus Ubanez, who has 118. So about half. But like I was saying, Brad Miller has a negative one DRS through those 63 innings and is significantly worse than Andy Ibanez. But it's not as big a deal. It's not like they're getting more than him. Uh, Well, I, I don't know. And we also have Charlie Culberson, who's playing a lot of third base. And... As much as I have not really super-duper loved what I've seen from Culberson, who's got a 5.52 OPS at this point after a really hot start to the season, still doesn't have a home run, which, you know, you could also say that about, well, a couple other guys, unfortunately, at this point. But, yeah, look at Culberson. He's played in 11 games. Nine of those have been starts, 66 innings, and exactly zero DRS. He did have a 2 error game, and I, I don't know. It it might just be literally that one game. I just would like to see Andy Abanias out there a little bit more. By the way, Andy Abanias had a really great play on Monday at first base. Who I think they I think I looked at his when I was looking at his defensive numbers that it said they had he had a negative DRS at uh, at first base, which I don't think has been the case. He's been pretty darn good defensively at first base. He had this really tough play. At first base, turning a double play basically by himself, had to tag out the runner. I think it was Giancarlo Stanton, but made a great play to actually get him when he was trying to avoid him and then either make the tag at the actual base at first himself or make throw. can't remember exactly what it was, but I know he turned the double play basically by himself. It was extremely impressive. I've loved what I've seen him defensively so far. Again, I feel like I'm saying the same exact thing. He does at least have a home run this season, which sucks that that's more than Marcus Simeon. Hopefully, if they fix their stupid baseballs, if MLB even cares, which I don't know that they freaking do about how bad the offense has been so far, which just just freaking, I just want them to care. Even if they don't fix it, I just want them to give the slightest care about really anything in their stupid product. That's a whole other conversation for another day. But hopefully, the baseballs will be fixed and we'll get some actual offense. It's nice to see the pitching going so well, and I don't know how much the Rangers' good pitching has been helped, by the baseball being deader than a frickin' doornail. Um, But I think Martin Perez and Dane Dunning, well, more so Perez, I, I think that he is actually fixing things and, you know, actually pitching this well and is not being helped all that much by the super deadness of the baseballs. But what I do want to get into is how the Rangers aren't bad. We have a large enough sample size that, yeah, the first week, first two weeks, honestly felt like this might be the worst team in baseball. Felt absolutely horrendous. Now we know that's the Reds. No one's going to catch them. They've already locked that away about a month into the season. The Rangers are not going to be as bad as the Reds. But their last eight games heading into this Wednesday night contest have been straight up good. They've been actually good. They held their own against the Blue Jays. Like It was much closer of a series than it felt like it had any right to be, especially with how bad the Rangers' pitching was and how badly the bullpen and starting... like Everything just felt like they got brutalized by those Blue Jays teams in those first three games. Um, and the Rangers' offense was able to keep up with them as well and put some numbers on a really good Blue Jays team who did, again, just get kind of brutalized in the last couple of weeks by the Yankees in two different series. But in the last eight games, the Rangers are 6-2. and They have a four-game winning streak in that span against two actual legit contenders, one team that literally just won the World Series. And Of course, they started this right after the day that I saw them in person for the first time, which I think is kind of petty and spiteful. And while I hate it, I also respect the pettiness and their commitment to it because there's something to that, and it's really nice that they have that. I wish, wish it wasn't against me. I wish it was against, like, I don't know, some other some other thing. But anyway, they have a four-game win streak, two pretty good wins against the Phillies in Philadelphia, a road trip where they had a weird three-game series against the Yankees, but you know, it, it felt kind of bad. It felt tough to be playing the Yankees. They had just ended that 11-game winning streak. Uh, they had just lost going into the Rangers series, but the Rangers only won one of those three games, but you look at the total runs, the Rangers only allowed five runs, and they scored five runs. The Rangers, run differential-wise, is basically a tied series with the Yankees, who, again, just absolutely annihilated the Blue Jays who I had as my World Series pick at the beginning of the year, which I, I still feel pretty good about. They're still a really good team. Like, the Rangers should be really good about that. And, they just beat the snot out of the Royals hopefully they will continue to do that for this game and for the next game or at least just beat them and then this weekend they have a Boston Red Sox team that is struggling to find themselves and the deadness of the baseball is absolutely killing them because their starting pitching has not been nearly as good as at least I thought and their hitting has been absolutely atrocious so far so the Rangers this is the time to get themselves up the uh, Mariners at this point oh, I'm, they might not end up losing this game that I'm looking at. But if the Mariners do end up losing this game, which they're losing right now to the Phillies, and the Rangers win tonight against the Royals, which hopefully they will and should do, then the Ranger would be in third place in this division, which would be better than I hoped for. Right now, they're in fourth. They're solid, solidly in fourth with a 12-16 and 16 record. Oakland's bottom is falling out and will continue to fall out. Hopefully, they won't win, like, 12 more games than they're supposed to this year, like they do every freaking year. But yeah, right now, if the Rangers are battling with this really talented Mariners team for third place in the division, and the Angels, I don't know what has gotten into them. They have been absolutely incredible to start the season. One of the best teams in baseball, which uh, I was a little higher on them than the most. But still, I think I still call them pretenders. Um, but if the Rangers finish third in this division, that is a hugely successful season. Unless like the Mariners are finishing with some super losing record, but they're not going to do. So the Rangers should be around... 500 if they finish in third place. I don't think they will. And I don't think that that's a bad thing if they do because the Mariners have spent a lot. Well, th- they have a lot more. Their, their timeline is more now. It's a lot more now than the Rangers is. Despite spending more, the Rangers still don't have that many young guys that are, you know, they don't have a Julio Rodriguez and a Jared Kelnick that are coming up right now. They don't have a Logan Gilbert and um, George Kirby that are, like, up, like, right now. Like, they still got some of those guys like Jack Leiter and Cole Wynn that are going to be, you know, maybe later this year, probably next year kind of guys. And same with, with Josh Young as well. So if the Rangers are competing in that range, I feel solid in saying that they are not a bad team. Last two weeks have felt like them looking more like themselves. Hopefully if Marcus Simeon, can figure out how to hit the deadest of dead baseballs, and Corey Seager can continue to absolutely mash at Globe Life Field, and maybe, maybe Jonah Heim, who, by the way, I, it bears repeating, Jonah Heim still has an OPS over 1, 000, a thousand, at, at 1085 at this point, and on base over 460, batting over 350, and slugging over 600, while the baseball is deader than a doornail, like. Those numbers keep impressing me every time I see it. And the more I think about it and how badly everybody else is hitting while Jonah Heim is absolutely crushing it is a hugely, hugely good thing at this point and makes the injury to the primary catcher, Mitch Garver, a little bit more livable. So hopefully we can see more of that and more proof that this Rangers team is not bad. Hopefully... At least a series win, if not a series sweep, head in to Boston, kick their teeth in while they're down, and establish yourself as an aggressively not-bad team, because that's all I wanted for you this season, and, you know, that's all it would take to make me happy, just have a not-bad team, because that's where I think this Texas Rangers squad finally is. Thank y'all so much for making Lockdown Ranger your first listen every single day. I'll be back on tomorrow's episode to talk about some prospects. Jack Lighters best start of the season. I still have not really talked about it, except for very briefly on Tuesday's episode, then on Friday, I'll be back with Lauren of Locked on Red Sox to preview this weekend series. A little bit more of that. But for your next listen, now make it Locked on MLB, Paul Francis Solon. Please call him Soli. He gives you his unique perspective on the Major Leagues both past and present. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Y'all, thank you so much for listening, and until next time, don't forget to enjoy baseball.